welcome to the Meeting the Moment podcast, a show featuring stories by Stanford students about how they're meeting big moments in their lives. All of the students featured are fellows in the Office of Religious and Spiritual Life at Stanford. I'm Adesua Agmoyla. Stories have the power to teach us and heal us, guide us, and even inspire us to change. Stories engage the big, unanswered questions we all face. That's what you're going to hear on this podcast. Stories of people making meaning of big questions. Each episode of the show corresponds with a monthly theme, and each story recounts meaning made of a challenging moment. It's May 2021. Our theme is play, and I have a story about that. It's called... Adesua's day off. My summer vacations as a kid always started the same way. My mom would drive me and my brother to this desolate strip mall in the middle of nowhere. We would get out of the car and go into one of those learning centers where you can buy textbooks in bulk. And then my mom would pick out these thick, dense math workbooks. And then she would write up a schedule for our summer. 9 a.m., wake up, two hours of math. 11, one hour piano. 12, one hour for lunch. You get the idea. The schedule was supposed to make me and my little brother into the best. Best, as in the top of our math classes, the winners of our piano competitions. Kids who were always the most exceptional, the smartest, the shining stars. My parents left me and my brother at home alone over the summer, so technically I could have just lied about following the schedule. But I never did, even though I hated it. The truth is, I wanted to be the best, too. Even though I haven't lived with my mom in years, I still build my entire life around a schedule. I do this thing where on Sunday, I take 10 minutes and write out a list of all the things I have to do throughout the week. And then I assign blocks of time to them. 10 to 2 class, two to four, econ homework, four to five, write script for podcast. Scheduling out my life like this is actually a really good way to optimize my time. When you split your day into two-hour chunks, you see how much time there is to squeeze in work that can make you better. When I make my eggs in the morning, I listen to an audiobook. In high school, I went through this weird phase where I would solve my math homework in my dreams, and then I would wake up in a sweaty stupor and scribble down the answers before getting out of bed to get ready for school. Most moments of my waking life, I'm thinking, how can I optimize this moment? How can I be better? This pandemic has intensified that voice in my head, probably to an unhealthy degree. I stay up late to finish problem sets, and then I wake up a minute before class starts and take notes in my bed. 
Early on, I figured out that since everything was virtual, I could schedule meetings concurrently and then log into two different Zooms at the same time, one on my laptop and one on my phone. This instinct towards perpetual optimization can be useful, and it's probably a really big reason I ended up at a school like Stanford. But it's also stressful, because any time I veer off schedule, which happens pretty regularly, I freak out and start thinking about all the ways I could be doing better, doing more. But I know that not everyone lives this way. Like, my freshman year of college, I met this girl who told me that she never works on Saturdays. She only does fun stuff. And recently, I've been thinking about that girl nonstop, like every day. Was that really possible? Could I do that? Take a whole day off? Throw my schedule to the wind and just play? So I decided to try it. When I was drafting my weekly schedule, I crossed off all the work I was supposed to do the following Sunday and wrote, day of play. And then Sunday actually came. I'm not even going to lie. I'm a little bit annoyed at myself that I decided to take this day off and record the whole thing. This is me talking into my microphone a couple of hours after waking up on Sunday. Because... I, I have peace sets to do. Um, I don't, I don't know what to say. Very, very quickly, I became disillusioned with my idea to take the entire day off and just play, like immediately. I wanted to go back to my schedule so, so badly. I woke up this morning and I thought, oh, I'll make some French macarons. That will be playing. And then I was gonna do that but then you know I was looking at all the ingredients out on my kitchen table and I was thinking to myself is this playing like I'm not really playing I'm just making macarons like this is actually gonna be really stressful my mindset has always been geared towards being the best but being the best implies work and work is difficult It's like, by definition, not fun. It's stressful. Work is following a complicated recipe for French baked goods. It's the exact opposite of play. So when I started to try to do this day of play, I ran into something of a paradox. My mind was telling me to be the best at playing, work at playing. But work isn't fun, at least not for me. Here's me trying to figure out how to have fun playing. So then I put everything back and I came outside and I tried to blow one bubble because I bought these bubbles from Safeway. And it didn't seem fun at all. It actually just seemed really depressing. And the whole time I was wondering, like, am I playing right now? Like, am I having fun? And I think if you're asking yourself over and over, am I having fun and getting an awful gut feeling in your stomach, like, no, I'm not having fun, then you're not having fun, right? Like, I'm not having fun right now. I'm just sitting outside wondering how I could have fun. I had reached a dead end. I had to switch off my optimization mindset entirely if I wanted to play. 
and that meant I needed help. Okay, you know what? I'm going to phone a friend. I called my friend Tolu, who I've known since I was like 10 years old. I used to spend hours at her house while our moms talked to each other, and we'd have to find ways to amuse each other. So we'd make cookies or watch funny YouTube videos or write stories together. It made perfect sense to call her. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what are you <laughs> Listen, okay? Just listen. This is going to sound a little bizarre, but today I was supposed to have a day of play where I don't do any work. I just play. What does play even, like, mean? It was a very good question, and one that we were both stumped on. So we looked it up. It is engaged in activity for enjoyment or recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. To play is to necessarily be unserious, to be glib, to not care if you fail or not. When you play, you can't be worried about being the best at playing because that makes play serious and practical and not play. Wait, I, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a fortune teller. That's a great idea. See, that's fun. You know what? That is fun and I used to do that all the time when I was a kid. So I made a fortune teller. Then I went around my house and told all my roommates their fortunes. Here's me reading one to my roommate, Esther. Oh, this one's sort of sad. Oh no, you're going to lose a lot of money next year. You will lose it to a man. (laughs) Stop. You will lose it to a man whose face you will not be able to remember afterwards. You will make it all back, but slowly, so that one day it will all be there again, but you won't quite remember how it got there or who brought it to you, and you won't spend your days trying to spend it. You'll spend your days sleeping because you were up all night trying to remember the face of that man. Reactions? Do it again. (laughs) What? Give me another (laughs) fortune. That one is trash. That one is trash, and I... Okay, here's the thing. As I was making my fortune teller, my optimization mindset crept in. Instead of writing fortunes on the paper, I typed up these little, like, weird prose poems on my laptop, and they were oddly dark. Without even thinking about it, I made these, like, weirdly pretentious fortune tellers. I did think they were funny, though, but my roommates didn't really agree. Was this fun for you? Did you feel like you were playing? It was deeply stressful. Oh, no. To me. Oh, no. (laughs) I feel like I'm really not, I'm really not, like, nailing the theme of this day, which is play. Because something I'm realizing is, like, I, at the beginning, I was like, this would be fun. I'll make a fun fortune teller. But I guess all my fortunes are pretty sad. Do you want to read the other ones? Yeah, maybe there was one that I... Oh my god. Maybe I'm doomed to never be able to play. No, it's fine. I'll do something else. I'll do something else after this. This one says you are going to marry a celebrity and become famous. After that burst of catastrophic thinking, I got my roommates, Esther, Sahar, Shreya, and Kevin, to go outside and go roller skating with me. Because earlier that week, we'd all bought roller skates on a whim. I haven't skated since I was like 10 years old. And it, it feels so, like, fun. It's just... I don't know, there's something so stupidly fun about just, (laughs) like, rolling instead of walking.
When I was in fifth grade, my mom used to take me to the roller rink on Saturday mornings. And while I was rolling around, my skates on my feet, I felt like I was 10 years old again, trying to do bubbles on the rink, never being afraid of falling. Squat, and then you have to like bring your ankles in together to go up. I can sort it. Oh fuck! <laughs> Shit, I was fall. Okay, up and down. It's a very, it's like not very graceful at all the way I'm doing it. When I was ten, I would fall with abandon, and the more I skated on the tennis court now, the more I felt ten years old again. Just free, unfettered, rolling around, not caring if I stood up or fell. Afterwards, me and my roommates sat on the grass with our roller skates flung across a picnic blanket, and we painted on canvases using some really bad paint that I got somewhere once for free. Um, it's a group painting activity, so we each have a canvas, and then we set a timer for one minute, and we each paint whatever, and then after a minute, we just rotate around the circle, and then add to each other's paintings, and then minute after minute until we feel it's complete. There's something about doing playful things that immediately makes you think about being a kid. Maybe because when you're a kid, play is baked into your schedule. So while we painted, we started talking about all our memories from childhood. I remember when I was little, I was doing this thing where I was just scribbling all the colors on my paper because I thought it looked pretty. Then I went to show my teacher, and she was like, this is the best work you can do. <gasps> Sit down and try. And I was like, okay. I would cry. Oh, my God. I would never pick up a paintbrush again. She was not cultivating your sense of play. Yeah. I have a memory like that. Once in art class, I painted a self-portrait of me at the movies, In the background, I wrote movie, but I spelled it without an I, so it just said move. When I showed it to my art teacher, she pointed at the sign and said, move? It was incredibly embarrassing. I think that that's one of the big transitions from childhood to adulthood. When someone in our life tells us that what we produced as a result of our play was not good enough, that it could have been better, When an adult tells you, stop playing, start doing stuff, and make it good. We stop getting graded for effort. We start getting graded for the results that we deliver. And those results can be good or better or best. When I was a kid, I never wanted to be seen as childish. As someone who's irresponsible or inconsiderate. I wanted to be an adult. And I understood that being an adult was about being serious. So I tried my best to live how adults lived and treat my life with the utmost seriousness. But on my day of play, I started to realize that there's a real value in being childlike, being open to play and playing with no seriousness and just enjoyment. When I played, I felt like I was walking into this space for living that I hadn't accessed in a really long time. I 
felt new and fresh. And time itself seemed to unspool and reveal itself to be wide and long and glittering with possibility. It's funny, usually when I plot out precise schedules, my days are fast and gray, and I always end them bewildered, wondering where all the time went. But this day felt deliciously long. I kept on being surprised by all the extra activities I could fit in. Like, my friends asked if they could blow bubbles with me after we painted, and I said, sure. And we laughed and ran around the grass for another hour and blew bubbles. And the whole thing felt like years. <laughs> this is the most childish I've been in, in years. Look at how lovely. They're so pretty. The sun is in the perfect place to just... <gasps> oh, that one's so big! Being playful is removing yourself from the shackles of the good, better, best hierarchy. It means just doing things that you like, and then the moment you stop liking them, not doing them. It means just living to exist, existing to live, letting go of all the seriousness of your day. The funniest thing is, at the beginning of my day off, I was so stressed about all the work I needed to do. But by the end of the day, even though I didn't do anything at all, all the work seemed so much more manageable. I ended up doing it all on Monday with time to spare. The whole time, my optimization calibrations were off. It turned out to get all my work done, I didn't need to schedule out my entire day. I just needed to play. This episode of the Meeting the Moment podcast was produced by Alessandra Wallner. Our music is by Lee Rosevere. The Meeting the Moment program and this podcast are hosted by the Office for Religious and Spiritual Life, or ORSL, in collaboration with the Stanford Storytelling Project and the LifeWorks Program for Integrative Learning. Meeting the Moment, which grows out of ORSL's Rathbun program, includes a student fellowship, a one-unit, community-focused, repeatable course, monthly public programs, and a growing list of curated resources for the Stanford community. Special thanks to Dean Tiffany Steinwert, Jonah Willinghans, Emma Master, and the LifeWorks Program for Integrative Learning. To learn more, Google Stanford Meeting the Moment.